This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. The workday is coming to an end. It is 5 o'clock. I will see you all tomorrow. But Quinn and Chris are just getting started. Sports talk it is. Your hosts, Tony Quinn Jr. First, uh, I'll <laughs> Whoa! I threw everybody off with that one. Whoa! What just happened? <laughs> and Chris Ello. I, I think he's kind of a mouth. Oh my gosh, oh, what does mouth. that mean? <laughs> I just says a bunch of stuff that, that I don't agree with. Alright. I'm going to move on from this as fast as possible. Number two. It's time to get you up to speed on all things sports. Yes! With plenty of nonsense in between. Oh, look! Here comes our fearless producer! Gwen and Chris starts right now on 97.3 The Fan. Welcome into Gwen and Chris, everybody. I am not Tony, nor am I Chris. I am Matt Scraby. I will be filling in for the guys and for about two hours or so, I would have to say. Tony is out in uh, Camelback Ranch, I guess, is it Camelback Ranch? Yeah, it's Camelback Ranch playing the Dodgers. Um, or he's calling the game with the Padres playing the Dodgers. It's not a good one if you're concerned about the score. If you're hoping for a Cactus League win over the Dodgers right now, it's 8 to nothing. Dodgers in the top of the eighth inning. So Tony might even be able to join us a little bit before that with the way that this game is moving. But at least the Padres aren't being no hit anymore. They have two hits on the day. I know they were no hit on Friday, and I'm letting a little bit of that anxiety. No, I'm just kidding. There's no anxiety creeping in. It's just spring training. Nothing is going to translate to the rest of the season. Padres are going to be just fine. But right now, top of the eighth inning, the Dodgers are leading 8 nothing In that game, Nick Martinez, who uh, we, have, we have him making one of the starting spots in the rotation, but... And he's had a great spring so far. Today might be one of those days that he, you know, got some of those uh, so, some of the mistakes out. He went three and a third, gave up three hits, only one earned run. He walked one and struck out three. So I would say that Nick Martinez is going to be fine. Giving up three hits is not bad over three and a third. But this may be, and this is a good thing. This may be his worst outing of the spring. And so far, Nick Martinez has been great, and I expect Nick Martinez to be great going forward. I am here. With Frank Marchese in studio. Frank is the Padres radio studio coordinator. He was here for some of the games this weekend. What's up, Frank? How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you, bud? I, I'm doing really well. Um, again, are you worried about this this Dodgers and Padres game being 8 nothing? No, not at all. Okay, especially good. especially with a lot of the guys leaving for the WBC today. I'm not all that concerned, no. Well, you bring up something very interesting. A lot of the guys are leaving for the WBC today, but one guy who's not leaving for the WBC would be Mr. Juan Soto. Kevin Acey tweeted earlier today he did not catch the flight to Florida with the other Padres on the Dominican Republic's WBC team. Soto is sticking around camp for at least a couple days for treatment on left calf. Expectation remains that he will still play in the WBC. I also saw a report going a little bit further on this and Juan Soto's uh, set to join the team, or he's set to fly out on Friday, and he will be participating in the WBC. Uh, again, I'm going to stay on the positive side. I am not at all worried about Juan Soto's calf. We saw with the back last year, he just needed a little bit 
of time to rest. But the, this calf injury, I, I guess it's it's popped up a couple times now in spring, but I don't expect it to be a huge thing. He's Juan Soto. They're just being cautious, and he is going to the WBC, which means he's healthy. And in all reality, it's it's spring training. It's This is not for Juan Soto. This is for him to get his timing and his eye in. That's it. This is for Jackson Merrill. This is for like an Alfonso Rivas guys who are on the taxi squad that could be going up and down. This is the time for them to show that they belong in the major leagues if they need to be called upon. So I'm really, it's at the bottom, it's spring training, man. None of this really matters for anything. It's just, he, he's he'll be fine. He will be fine. I, I completely agree with that. By the way, I believe uh, Jackson Merrill, who you just mentioned, he was the one who broke up the no-hitter in the, the top first. of the yep. sixth inning. Yep. So Jackson Merrill is actually really surprising. I guess surprising is a hard word for me because it's it's not surprising, but it is surprising at the same time. He, I don't think anybody expected for him to be this good so far through spring, but on both sides of the ball, hitting and fielding, but... He's been, I think, a little bit better than even the Padres may have felt he would play here in the short in the short time that spring training has been underway. And he is. Uh, we talked. I talked about it on Friday. Do I see him coming up to the team this year? Uh, I, if, with the way he's playing, how could you not have him on the big league roster? I don't. He's not going to, in my opinion, make the opening day roster just because they don't really need him yet, and he could still have some time in the minor leagues to get better and get better. It's always good to dominate a league. It gives the confidence to the player. But Jackson Merrill, it's going to be interesting throughout the year. If, if there's any injuries to a, an infield position, Jackson Merrill could be coming his way to the, the Padres at some point, and we'll see what happens there. I'm excited about that because it was, it was almost like, Frank, you and I were talking about this before the show. It's almost like C.J. Abrams last year. C.J. Abrams, he made the team, and, and everybody was really looking forward to seeing what he could do. He struggled out of the gate. But then he went back down to the minor leagues. He fine-tuned some things, came back up, and had some uh, some success. So I, I think that Jackson Merrill could be on a similar trajectory to someone like C.J. Abrams. And I know that C.J. Abrams is now in Washington with the Nationals. But Jackson Merrill is someone to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's 6 for 22 through spring. He scored four runs, three RBIs this spring. The one thing you do have to be a little bit really eye-opening about in a good way, he hasn't played a game over a ball. He did not play in double-A last year. He has not played in triple-A yet. So he's getting a taste of, quote-unquote, major league pitching. You know the major league guys aren't giving their best stuff right now. But it's he has shown a lot of potential here for a guy who hasn't played a game of, above A-ball. Yeah, he is definitely showing a ton of potential. And I think the, that's why he was kind of off limits last year with some of the different trades that they made. And they they decided to go with some of their more ready prospects like uh, Bobby Barrels. I miss saying Bobby Barrels. He's now with the Nationals. And honestly, like I, I, I'm a big, I, I, I'm a Robert Hassel the third fan, but as soon as he became a National, I kind of stopped paying attention to his development. I have a feeling we're going to see him. But I think that Jackson Merrill, I, the Padres must have known something that we all don't know, which is he may have a better trajectory than some of these guys that they traded away. So uh, A.J. Preller, he's uh, I can't even say that it's out of the realm of possibility that Jackson Merrill is traded by the trade deadline. Who knows? As Chris and Tony said a million times, I'm not so much in this camp, but for the first championship for a team and for a city and for a organization, 
I think you just go all in to get that first championship. You just need that first championship off the back, and then you could start winning more championships. So if there is a possibility where the Padres are sitting there at the halfway mark and they need some other rental to get them over the top and you have to trade Jackson Merrill, go for it. I say do it, just like last year. This is this team is never going to be closer to a World Series title. I mean, we could talk about the 1998 team, the 84 team, all the teams that have made the World Series for, for the uh, Padres, but this team is as close as you're going to get to a, a a real World Series favorite. And we're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. Uh, that's my favorite thing to do. That's my favorite thing to do. At the trade deadline. But I, you're right. But the thing about it is, though, and again, keeping with the theme of being way ahead of ourselves, you're not going to be able to do as much at the trade deadline this year as you were able to do last year because all of those guys that you traded away to bring Josh Hader in, to bring Juan Soto in, you have less guys to do that with now. Now, granted, Jackson Merrill is the superstar of that. It's gonna be. It's not gonna be the big haul that we got last year. You're most as compared to. Yeah, you're most likely not going to get the Juan Sotos. You're gonna get guys that are because Jackson Merrill isn't proven. And again, we're talking about this way too early, and it's really fun to do that on March sixth. Actually, because. Then I can prove to myself how wrong I was when the trade deadline hits and Jackson Merrill's up at the big league level with like 12 home runs under his belt. But it's it's just, um, I, I think you're right. They're not going to be able to do what they did last year, nor should they want to. If the Padres are at a point, at, at the midway point with the trade deadline looming, if they're at that point, things have not gone right for them this year. If they need to make a trade, to get over the top. That means there's some sort of something happening with the team that was unforeseen and they're scrambling, but I don't believe that's going to be the case. I'm knocking on all the wood in the room to make sure that's not the case. Frank just knocked on some wood, but we are going to um, talk about a lot of the Padres today. A lot of what happened again. At some point you will have a chance to win a pair of tickets to a Padre spring training game at the Peoria sports complex. And you will be qualified for the grand prize, two tickets to the two a Padre spring training game, uh, a $500 Southwest gift card to get you there, and a $500 Visa gift card to find a place to stay. Go to PeoriaSportsComplex.com for tickets and info. So let me set up the show a little bit, and uh, we're going to have R.J. Anderson from CBS Sports Major League Baseball writer. He's going to be on at 240. He kind of went through some of the new World Baseball Classic rules and regulations that they have, and it's going to be starting here in the next couple days. Um, I didn't know this, but I was reading reading up on it earlier, knowing that I was going to talk to RJ. And Jerkson Profar, he's actually going to be playing for the Netherlands in the World Baseball Classic. Very good. Same, but Jerkson Profar still doesn't have a team. And I, I recorded, Not as good. Uh, yeah, I recorded this a little bit earlier, so I, I will tell you that I did ask him about Jerkson Profar and why he's he hasn't found a team yet, so you'll be able to hear that answer. Also, like... One of the things I'm very curious about with the World Baseball Classic is how managers of those teams are going to manage their teams with a full baseball season in mind. There's going to be decisions made that aren't going to be for the best of the team. They're going to be for the for the best of the player and what they can do at the major league level. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along as well. It, I think in the second hour, we're going to do some of the different rules and regulations that they have. Like they have set up a ton of things. They almost 
feels like a little league game to a point. So we'll go over that a little bit later. The Aztecs, they won the Mountain West regular season title outright. They cut down the nets. I know I said that they were playing in the Mountain West tournament on Friday, and I know that I was wrong, and thank you for everyone who said um, they they heard me say that I was wrong. So they will now be going into the Mountain West tournament with their win over Wyoming on Saturday. And uh, this team, I asked uh, asked Mark Ziegler last week, is this team, like, quietly, outside of that team with Malachi Flynn and Yanni Wetzel, is this team quietly Brian Dutcher's best team? And it is... I I have to say so. I mean, they are really good. They won the regular season title. They've single-digit losses, and it kind of feels like they're under the radar, and I don't understand why more of the country is not paying attention to the Aztecs. It's a good thing for the Aztecs. They can go into the tournament maybe and surprise some people and make it a little bit further than they have in the past. But I think that is the key for the Aztecs this year. They have to win a first-round game in the NCAA tournament. that That's going to be, I think we have Selection Sunday coming up this Sunday. Man, this is, this is sports is getting back to the good parts of the year. We're going to have opening days soon. We're going to have um, March Madness. And the reason I stopped is because the lights didn't see us moving here in the room, so they turned off. But we're going to talk more about the Aztecs a little bit later as well. Uh, Matt Scraby and Frank Marchese filling in for Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello. Tony will be uh, back as soon as he can. He's calling Padres baseball against the Dodgers right now. Chris is going to be calling his Aztecs women's game. That's in the Mountain West tournament, and he's that's going to be starting at 2.30, so we'll pay attention to that as well. On the other side, we have a couple things that we could talk about. We could talk about Trent Grisham and his strong start to the spring training, and we could also talk to or talk about Blake Snell and his start yesterday, the first one of spring training. So we have a ton more to talk about. And also, someone that Eric Hosmer may actually the the ghost of Eric Hosmer may be giving back to San Diego. And I will tell you what I mean when I get back. Gwen and Chris, 97.3 The Fan. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. We have a quick update to the show. It's a big guest. It's one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on this show. Mr. Sam Levitt is going to be joining us around uh, 3 o'clock if the game is over and all that. The Padres and the Dodgers right now, top of the ninth inning, 8 to nothing. Dodgers. There was a, uh, Frank was telling me here, there was a delay for someone who was hit by a pitch. Colway was hit by the pitch, and then there was an injury delay, according to MLB.com. So we'll have to see, and hopefully everything's okay there, but... Uh, Sammy Leff, he's going to be coming on the show at around 3 o'clock, maybe 3.20, depending on when this game ends. So we have uh, a couple things to talk about here, and I want to start with the tease that I had, which was how is the ghost of Eric Cosmer going to benefit the Padres? And I'll tell you right now, it could be in the form of Jay Groom. Now, he was traded to – he was part of the Eric Cosmer deal. When Eric Cosmer declined to go to the Nationals – 
Padres were forced into trying to find another team for Eric Cosmer. They did find the the Red Sox that were willing to trade, and they were willing to give up Jay Groom. Now, Jay Groom has a good pedigree. He is a lefty. He's a starter slash long reliever. Uh, but the Boston Red Sox in 2016, I believe, they drafted him 12th overall. So anyone drafted 12th overall obviously has some natural talent. And the Padres are really loving what they've seen from him so far. He pitched yesterday. He pitched uh, over three innings. And in so far, in spring training, he has not allowed a run in six and two-thirds innings. Here is Bo Mel after the game talking about Jay Groom. And you know, he's, he's got a real compact delivery. There seems to be a lot of deception in what he does. He can use his changeup, his breaking ball, gets it back foot, gets it away to a lefty. Um, you know, got off to a little bit of a slow start as far as balls and strikes and finished up really strong. A lot to like. Well, there you go. If Bob Melvin says a lot to like, that's really good for Jay Groom. Now, if Jay Groom could figure it out and somehow make this team out of spring training, that would give them a little bit of time with Joe Musgrove's toe, which I have to update you on Joe Musgrove and what he's doing to try to get his toe better. Only Joe Musgrove would do what he's doing to make his toe feel better. But Jay Groom, if he was able to crack the roster at the beginning of the year and he was able to spot start a few times or even just be a long reliever, for the Padres, that would help out immensely in trying to get them into the, I guess, I know Bob Melvin's not a huge fan of the six-man rotation, but he will use the six-man rotation, and he's talked about how it helped them a lot last year getting to the postseason and having the pitchers and the starting pitchers having their arms as fresh as possible, but if Jay Groom can can do what he uh, needs to do to make the team, that would be huge for the Padres. Having a lefty Someone, um, Frank did confirm he was the 12th overall pick in 2016. If Bob Melvin likes him, then I think it's definitely someone that we need to watch. And here is all, on August 2nd, 2022 was the day the trade went down. The Padres traded Eric Cosmer, Max Ferguson, outfielder Corey Rozier, and Cash to the Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Jay Group. So the Padres gave up a lot in order to get this guy, which means that they like him, which means that they can they think that they can do something with him and allow him to maybe get back on track for where he started his career in 2016 with the Red Sox. Yeah, especially with, uh, I liked what I saw yesterday, you know, do with the game yesterday. He got into a little bit of trouble, two on, two out, got right out of it in his first inning, allowed a walk in his second inning, and then went one, two, three in his third inning. So he he did a fantastic job uh, going from the sixth through the eighth inning yesterday. He looked, looked good, as Melvin said, a little a little spotty as far as location went, but other than that, he looked he looked like he was ready to go for a major league club. You know, I, I, I talked to a pitcher, a former major league pitcher, last maybe a year ago, and I asked him, What do you look for in pitchers? Like how do you know if they're gonna be if they're gonna be better? How do you know if they're they're what they're feeling on the mound? And he says he says, look at them if they can find if they can find what's wrong and fix themselves during the the start or during the outing then you know that they're they're making good progress in and how they're pitching their mechanics are good and he did he left behind some early command struggles and he finished three scoreless innings so Jay Groom good stuff out of him and don't say that Eric Hosmer never gave you guys anything because if Jay Groom comes out of nowhere Eric Hosmer will have paid off once again and I'm just glad that he's on the Cubs all right can Blake Snell get off to a good start this season that is the question I think a lot of people have asked 
And Blake Snell yesterday made his first outing of the spring training Cactus League season. He went three innings. He struck out four. He ha- he only gave up one run. So things were good for Blake Snell. Uh, I don't know, Frank, did you have the audio from Blake Snell ready to go about him discussing his first? Okay, you do. So let's go to that. Blake Snell yesterday, after he made his start, he talks to the media about how he felt. Uh, it was good. Lots to learn, lots to break down. Felt good, but I want to see it. I want to see release points. I want to see just the whole body of work. Like usual, when you've got that first pitch, mm-hmm. yeah. you were successful. Yeah. You used everything, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I felt really in the zone. Uh, the walk I was pretty frustrated with. I thought I threw a lot of strikes. So to get to a 3-2 count and then walk, I was kind of, I was definitely was frustrated about it. Um, but yeah, overall, in the zone, attacking, that's good. Just need to keep building, getting stronger, not making mistakes like down and in to a guy that can only hit down and in. Uh, yeah, frustrating stuff, you know, but I'll learn, I'll get better. Well, he's going to have to get better. Blake, That was Blake Snell after his start yesterday, and he didn't really, I guess for him it was frustrating stuff, but he didn't really pitch like he was pitching bad yesterday. But Blake Snell needs to have a good year for several reasons. It's a contract year for him. He, this is his final year of the deal with the Padres. He's making $16 million this year, but he's an unrestricted free agent coming up uh, this next season, and I, I don't know where he fits into the Padres' plans. But over the last several years with the Padres, We've seen kind of a we we've seen a theme with Blake Snell, and that would be to start slow and to then to get better as the season goes along, and then finish the season very strong. Last year was case in point. He made six starts in the first half, or his he had eleven starts in his first half. Um, his win loss for the first half was one in five. He had a five point two two ERA in, in those games. He I'm trying to break through this baseball reference there it is game started he started 10 he appeared in 11 first half games second half though is a completely different story maybe not in the record seven and five which we will really don't pay attention to records much anymore with starting pitchers but he did start 14 games he pitched 78 innings and he lowered his era to 2.19 so you can see how much better he got from the first half to the second half and i think the padres are starting I mean, they they need to count on Blake Snell. That going into this season, they don't have the luxury for Blake Snell to start slow. He's got to start where he start or where he left off last year. And the the reality of his two point nine eight ERA over thirty two starts since August first, it, it it's the best on the Padres and ranks eighteenth in the majors in the second half. So we can't have Blake Snell. I mean, we can. It would be nice to have him do it on both sides, though, first and second half, and he's got to. And Bob Melvin, he uh, he, he said a couple things about Blake Snell. He, there's a quote from Kevin Acey's article, quote, he's come in, I think, with a little different focus about 162 games. He's had a history of getting off to some rough starts and then being about as good as anybody. I think there are a lot of reasons for him to be motivated this year to have a good year. I think he probably started his process a little bit earlier, and certainly his mental process about each game is going to be the same for him, whether it's game one or whether it's tw- game 25. So I expect him to get off to a little better start this year. I mean, I don't really need to say much more. I don't think Bob Melvin needs to say much more. Blake Snell knows that this year is going to set up the second part of his career in regards to a contract with whatever team is willing to pay him as much as he can get. And so this year is just, I can't overstate it enough. This year is very important for Blake Snell and the Padres. Yeah, absolutely. And 
that's that is going to be one of those challenges is that's been his mo his entire career is start slow finish strong and on a championship contending team like this he needs to be there the entire year he gave up 11 less runs in the second half gave up 51 all season gave up 31 in the first half gave up more hits in the first half i understand that there is a a starting and a ramp up process to every season, but that's that's got to come a little bit quicker than August first, especially this year. One hundred percent has got to become quicker, and that's why I, I found it interesting that Bob Melvin said it this way. And this could be just me reading into things like I usually do, but he said, and certainly his mental process about each game is going to be the same for him, whether it's game one or whether it's game twenty five. So I expect him to get off to a little better start this year. I in the. He he also said before that, I think he probably started his process a little bit earlier. It sounds to me like there's been a conversation, possibly. I'm not going to say that there has been. I'm not going to say that there hasn't been. But I do think that the Padres had a little bit of a conversation with Blake Snell and said, hey, we need you all year long. We don't have our luxury, as I just said. We don't have the luxury to wait for you to round into shape. So... What do you need to do? How can we help you to get started as soon as the season starts and not four months in? And, and like you said, contract year for him. He's going to be 31 by the time this season ends. This is his last chance to get that big money long-term deal that he needs. So it is kind of that that deal of, all right, this is my last chance. We gotta, We really got to go with this one, and we got to do it right now giving up a home run to the second batter he sees in spring training, not necessarily the best way to go about it. But, again, he did settle down after that, got through three strong innings under 40 pitches. Yeah, the the home run is almost like, I think, if it because it was his first start, and I've never been a pitcher at any level, oh, so yeah, I, I barely have a shoulder. My right shoulder is like hanging out of its socket. I'm going <laughs> to physical therapy for it, so that shows you how fast I could throw a baseball. But I feel like that would help me personally get into – like, okay, now I can start pitching. I don't need to be nervous. Not that Blake Snell was nervous, but you get what I'm saying? Like, just get that out of the way, and then I can go back to work. It's like that line from The Rookie. I love that movie, Dennis Quaid. What do you say? I don't... The, um, how you better fast, have the line if you're going to bring it up. How, fa- how fast could you throw your fastball when you were a kid? Uh, not hard enough to where they stopped calling it fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Chris says. hey um. Yeah, another bad joke by Matt Scraby, everybody. That's what you get on this show. Attaboy. Boy, Chris. 97.3, the fan. Last thing before we head to break, Blake Snell talks about his first experience with the pitch clock, and I found this hilarious. Yeah, um, I don't understand the pitch clock too well right now, so I don't really understand uh, where I need to be releasing the ball, but the more I pitch, the more I'll be aware of that to where I won't have to look at it every time and be like, I got to go, I got to go. Um, I don't like pitching with a rush. Um, I have a lot of opinions that probably don't matter and probably won't even ever care to make a change. But um, I just think it's you just I feel rushed. Um, But I got to learn it, figure it out and get better. See, I find this this um, fun to talk about as well because other pitchers that I'd never thought in a million years would like the pitch clock, like Max Scherzer, actually does like the pitch clock. Blake Snell, on the other hand, I I was thinking back when I heard this clip about whether or not he takes a long time on the mound. I don't necessarily think he takes more time than most pitchers. He probably takes an average amount of time, which is fine with me, but 
I can see how that would be a little bit jolting in your first couple outings because all of a sudden, I, I read an article with Manny Machado earlier talking about as a batter, he steps, or no, I'm sorry, it was Juan Soto. It was like a 3-1 count. He wants to be locked in. He wants to be ready. So he steps out, takes a swing, and then he said he looked back up at the, the clock and he's got 10 seconds, which means he has to be in the, the box in two seconds. And now he's thinking about, do I need to get back in the box or do I need to call for time? And, and then so he gets back in the box and he ends up doing what he did. But he um, he was just saying that it is rushed and I do feel it from the players but I haven't really heard many Padres saying that about the pitch clock, and so it's uh, it's interesting to hear Blake Snell say that. And Snell actually got busted for that yesterday. He got an automatic ball called on him, I think, in the second inning. Ah, so good addition. I didn't see that in any of that, my reading. Yeah. Ah, well, like you said, he'll figure it out. But I think it is funny for Blake Snell. Anything that Blake Snell says or does is is actually makes me laugh, especially. When Kevin Acey asked him, you threw everything today? And he said he threw everything, which means the changeup is not in timeout in spring training. <laughs> it's not in timeout. We'll have to see. Well, that's one of the biggest things throughout the year. Is Blake Snell's changeup in timeout? We have to ask him every single time. But, Frank, you have some update on the spring training game with the Padres. Yep. Speaking of spring training, that game is now over. It's officially a final. Dodgers beat the Padres 8-3. to Max Shurock. There you go. Max Shurock hit a uh, sacrifice fly to make it two outs and 8-1 in the top of the ninth inning. Evan Mendoza then cleared the bases with a two-run double. Final line for the Padres, three runs, three hits, two errors for the Dodgers, eight runs, 11 hits, one error. Final today in Arizona. I will call this a win because the Padres didn't get shut out and they didn't get no hit. So I'm going to call this a win. Um, It doesn't go towards the Cactus League title, which I did. I really did want them to win the Cactus League title. They're now six and four on the Cactus League season. The Dodgers are six and two. On the Cactus League season, they still have to catch up and play two more games. But took a big hit today, Frank, on the Cactus League title. I think they're six and five now with this loss. No, doesn't ESPN update as soon as they, they lose? Were, I thought they were five, and I thought they were. It wouldn't surprise me if I was wrong. It wouldn't surprise me. We're gonna find it's this one out game in the either break. way. It's not like you said they were two and nine. Yeah, we're gonna find this out in the break. But when we get back, RJ Anderson of CBS Sports. I jo- he joined me a little bit earlier, and he's gonna break down more of the World Baseball Classic and kind of how uh, they they are making different rules to help players not get injured during the classic i know that was a lot to say but we will ask him on the other side on 97.3 the fan back here in the odyssey palace of 97.3 the fan i'm matt scraby got frank marchese in here in studio with me tony gwynn jr should be making his way back from Camelback Ranch, where the Dodgers play, the Padres just uh, finished their game. They lost 8-3 to to the Dodgers, so no worries. And I, I'm seeing some tweets out there about, was last year's series win a fluke for the Padres over the Dodgers? I, I, I take it with a grain of salt because I believe that it's actually people joking, but I never know. I never really know on Twitter if people are joking or not. If anyone is really hurt by this loss or scared or anxious by this loss, I'm going to tell you there's a game tomorrow, and it will mean just the same as it did today. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. So the Padres lost 8-3. to Tony Gwynn Jr. on his way back. Chris Ello calling the Aztecs women's basketball team right now. They are getting under or they are underway in Las Vegas in the Mountain West women's tournament. So he will try to check in with us later in the show. I got a news alert here real quick that I'm going to share with you before we talk to R.J. Anderson. 
but I got to say thanks to Frank. Frank is the hero of the station. He's kind of like Sammy Love, the hero of 97.3 The Fan. Aw, shucks. And the reason is because Frank didn't know he was working this morning when he woke up, but with all the different schedules going on, Adam reached out and Frank was able to make it happen. So thank you, Frank, for being here. Appreciate you uh, locking it down so I don't have my eight arms going everywhere while I'm trying to do the show. So appreciate you, Frank. The super sub is in. The super sub. I like that. Um, the news I was going to talk about real quick before we went and talked to RJ Anderson, uh, Dov Kleinman from Kleinman from the NFL. Uh, he's a reporter for the NFL. He put up a picture of Philip Rivers, and I thought, what? What the heck is this? And he tweeted, retired NFL quarterback Philip Rivers has expressed desire to return to the NFL. He already contacted the 49ers and the Dolphins about coming out of retirement late in the 2022 season, according to Rich Eisen. Now, I mean, if this isn't a story for this show alone or what, I don't know. Because now we're Chris and I are going to be battling over Phillip Rivers for our quarterback of our team, the 49ers and the Dolphins. If Phillip Rivers could still play, I want him on the 49ers. I love Phillip. He's a he he's a competitor. He tries to win. Not that no one try you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying about tries to win. I'm not saying that he's losing games, but Philip Rivers on the 49ers, I would love it. I would love it. Maybe not the Dolphins, though. And the Dolphins are saying that they've sufficiently killed off to attack of Iloa enough that they don't need him anymore and no. that they're good to go. Oh. No, but oh, okay. the, the word out if you talk to Chris, another they, they need to find team? yes, they need to find another quarterback because Tua gets hurt. Tua is also this is random side tangent we're taking right now, but Tua also has been doing MMA training, jujitsu training. Say that ten times fast to learn how to fall better, which is you know what? If that helps, that helps. I don't want to see Tua on the field with a concussion again. All right, we've talked too much about this Tua and, and Philip Rivers and all that. So R.J. Anderson of CBS Sports, Major League Baseball writer. He talked to me a little bit earlier about some of the different things we'll see at the World Baseball Classic. Here he is. Joining us on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline is R.J. Anderson of CBS Sports MLB. You can visit him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. R.J., how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. You know, I'm really ex- actually very excited about the World Baseball Classic. I, I think that I don't know why I get into these national uh, team sports and, and and become like the biggest fan ever. But I think this is going to be pretty interesting, especially where it's at in the baseball schedule. But just right off the bat, who do you think is going to win it all? Yeah, I think you have a small group of teams that can realistically win this. You know, Japan has been the most successful team in the WBC, but the Americans won last time. And, you know, you look at that lineup and it's pretty easy to talk yourself into them making another deep run. And then outside of Japan, the U.S., I think you've talked about the Dominican Republic just based off the strength of their lineup. I mean, if you haven't looked up some of their lineups, the weak spot is Gary Sanchez, the catcher, a catcher with <laughs> big-time raw power. So, you know, there's only a few other countries I'd throw out there, but I think probably one of those three is most likely to win. 
Yeah, we, we've been talking a lot about the World Baseball Classic on this show and talking about how good the Dominican Republic team and, and it, how good they are. And Manny Machado is a part of that team. Juan Soto is a part of that team. Uh, Nelson Cruz, I believe, is the manager of that team. So lots of Padres influence on the uh, Dominican Republic team. But one of the things that you wrote about was that they're not going to have the pitch clock over there and it, with the WBC games. And so some of the players here locally have kind of been talking about how it's kind of weird they're going from pitch clock to no pitch clock and then when they're done with the WBC they're going to be back on the pitch clock and so two-part question here how much effect will the pitch clock have or will no pitch clock have uh, with the WBC players and do you think the current pitch clock system in baseball needs some fine-tuning yeah the first part is a good question I guess I would just say that you know baseball is a game of adjustments right and you know, these players to reach this level, they have to be able to make quick adjustments. Now, obviously, if this is an adjustment with a timer as opposed to an adjustment in strategy, so it's a little different in that respect. But I think most of them will be fine. You know, if you look through the data, a lot of guys were throwing pitches or, you know, being ready to hit at an approximate amount of this pace. So I don't think it's going to be too great of adjustment in that respect. Um, as for the second question, you know, I could see them fine-tuning it a little bit just so you don't have incidents like for Max Scherzer <laughs> and the game gamesmanship that went into, you know, him sometimes quick pitching, sometimes <laughs> delaying. But, you know, otherwise, I guess that would have happened even without a clock. So there's just a little bit added incentive now for pitchers to, you know, play cat-and-mouse games because they can't necessarily do those with base runners anymore. So maybe that's it. Maybe they just need an outlet for that uh, part of their personality. Yeah, we're talking to RJ Anderson, CBS Sports, MLB. Uh, I was, we talked about Max Scherzer last week, and I thought out of all the guys, out of all the pitchers that were in baseball, he would have the most issue with a pitch clock <laughs> just because he's Max Scherzer and we know it, what he, how competitive he is. But he really did find a different way to do things. And uh, both Tony and I agree that they have to do something about that little loophole because. It's not fair for the hitter whatsoever for him to just throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle when he's not looking for it. Yeah, and I saw, I saw a quote from Chris Dale saying that he likes the pitch timer. And in my head, I used one of the guys I had down as being you know very much against it. And I figured if someone's going to blow up about this in April, it might be Chris Dale <laughs> or Max Scherzer. For them to go take a liking to it, I guess it just shows that you know even if you're a Cy Young caliber pitcher, if you're still willing to make adjustments and you can still find something new to – you know, used to your advantage. That's true. And and I think sticking on the the pitch clock real quick, I think that the games have been obviously noticeably quicker. Um, do you think that that pace, that the pace we're seeing right now is probably going to be the pace we see during the regular season? Or do you see it slowing down a little bit? Yeah, I guess that comes down to, you know, how lenient um, umpires are going to be. And maybe the sweet spot is guys get a little bit more tired, maybe a little more weary of, you know, trying to manipulate hitters timing through the use of the clock. But I would, I mean, you know, by the law itself, I guess that's basically the pace we're going to see because there's only so much room for, you know, those examples of gamesmanship or you know, slowing things down or what have you. So I would say this is probably going to be an approximate read of how regular season games will be playing, assuming that I do continue with a timer and let's call it as it should be. 
Yeah, I'm 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 very surprised at how I feel about these pitch clock games, but uh, it'll be interesting going forward throughout the season. Uh, R.J. Anderson here, CBS Sports MLB. You can visit him on Twitter at r underscore j underscore Anderson. And you wrote about Jerickson Profar, and I didn't know this until I read about this, but he is going to be playing for the Netherlands in the World Baseball Classic. And one thing that I think I'm pretty surprised about here with Profar is that he's still out there and on the market. I, I wouldn't mind if the Padres would just go after him. <laughs> I don't know what he's asking for, but in a head scratcher here in San Diego. But why do you think that Jerickson Profar hasn't found a team yet? Yeah, I mean, I don't know his asking price either, but that's obviously one of the first things you think about whenever a player goes unsigned after a high-quality season is maybe teams are not evaluating with him the way that he's evaluating himself. Uh, beyond that, you know, the skill set, obviously it's produced good results as recently as last year, but it is a skill set that was replicated a few times on the free agent market. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, similar player, more of a track record. So I think that worked against them. And, you know, it might just be a matter of every spring it feels like there's someone who gets <laughs> left out. And it's not necessarily a commentary on them as a player. Sometimes it's just the way it goes. I mean, Michael Conforto was that player last year. Yeah. Then he got hurt. <laughs> And then he signed a multi-year deal last this most recent winter. So it just goes to show maybe there's a multi-year deal waiting at the end of the rainbow for Profar as well. It just might take a little while to get there. Yeah, definitely. I, I hope that Bergerickson Profar finds the team because he was instrumental in what San Diego and the Padres did last year. So I'm I'm just really surprised. Padres haven't there's been no news out of San Diego Padres land about Jerks and Profar, so we'll have to keep waiting. But um, back to the World Baseball Classic, because we did say he was playing in that. But um, the yeah. we were talking about, you wrote about injuries and the injuries that could happen, the injuries that haven't happened, or why, why players aren't going to play in the World Baseball Classic. But there are certain safeguards in place to help prevent these injuries. Um, my question is, and, and what I was thinking about, is how much do the World Baseball Classic managers have to make decisions with, like, a, a full baseball season in mind? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the priority for MLB teams, and that's sort of the, you know, agreement that MLB makes in order to get MLB players involved is that, you know, there are safeguards, there are guide rails in place to prevent what we would perceive as, you know, uh, abusive or over-aggressive usage of pitchers in particular. So, you know, for instance, you're only going to see a maximum pitch count of 65 during full play. So, you know, you can't have whatever pitcher you want to say, you know, say Hugh Darvish because it's a Padres yeah. um, pitcher. He can't go out there and throw 120 pitches or whatever in full play. Now, that amount does rise, but even the championship round, you're capped at 95 pitches. So it sort of mimics spring training in a sense. You know, you're not asking starting pitchers to go out there and ramp it up all at once and treat this like an important game or, you know, a 100-pass pitch effort, you know, in at a time when they would usually be throwing, what, 60, 70 pitches. So those guide rails are in place, and they also have, you know, restrictions on injuries. For instance, we saw Clayton Kershaw had to withdraw reportedly because he was having trouble finding insurance, and every player has to have insurance to play in the WBC. Mm. Teams can also say no if a guy has spent a certain amount of time on the injured list the previous year. You kind of saw that play out with Ronald Acuna Jr., although the Braves eventually relented and let him play. So, yeah, there are a few different protections to go into place. And uh, Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer looked into the data of the last time a WBC was played in 2017 and found that the injury effect in those WBC years was not all that great. So if you're a Padres fan, you do have a lot of players out there. You probably don't have to worry about injuries 
unless bad luck hits, which yeah. uh, bad luck is always going to play a role in baseball, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, no matter what, it's going to play a role in baseball. Real quick about the insurance thing. I didn't know that. So players have to have insurance on their their contracts to play in the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, they have to have insurance to play in the WBC. And, you know, in general, I feel like I still have been thinking and talking a lot about insurance and baseball <laughs> contracts because the Carlos Correa situation yeah. is winner, too. So if you're unfamiliar with the world sports contracts and insurance and all that good stuff, it's not very interesting, but it does pop up on occasion. Yeah, it does pop up. That's uh, I'm going to look into – I find that stuff interesting. Like when Matt Leinert did it way back when. He he did when before he went to the NFL. But anyway, last one for me, RJ. Thanks so much for your time today. Um, we've heard from a lot of people in baseball about the Padres spending and how much they are actually spending, which is a ton. Where do you stand yeah. on the Padres spending in regards to what it means for the rest of Major League Baseball? Oh, I love it. I think it's a great example. You that know, boy. my coworker, Mike Jesus said the small market is a mentality, a mindset. And I agree with that. You know, I don't want these teams to be ran like investments. I don't want them to be ran like big businesses. I want them to be ran like community goods. You know, it's about, it's about, you know, serving your community. It's a public good. It should be treated that way. I hate the idea of, you know, return on investment. Why would I care if this billionaire is making money <laughs> off his baseball team? If he wanted to make money off his investment, go elsewhere. You know, yeah. the stock market and the real estate and all these other forms. Leave it out of pro sports. No, I totally agree. And, it's, and then it's like the Cubs owners are crying foul about how much money they're making or they're losing, and then they put a bid in on, like, a Premier League team. It's like, well, <laughs> really? It doesn't seem like you're losing that much money if you're able to do that. So, uh, Well, thanks so much, RJ, for coming on the show today. Everybody go uh, to his Twitter and go to CBSSports.com, the MLB page, R at R underscore J underscore Anderson. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, RJ. Anytime. Thank you for having me. That was RJ Anderson of CBS Sports of the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. First hour in the books. I'm Scraby. Gwyn and Chris should be joining us throughout the show. Gwyn before Chris. But when we get back, we are going to be talking to Sammy Lev about spring training. Get his thoughts on today's game. So stick around. That will be next on 97.3 The Fan.